Rolling. What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach broadcasting from Studios 353 here in East Nashville. Andy has returned from a big beach trip yep. to Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and he's in here radiating like a Greek guy. My tan. Everyone on my trip got burned. Guess who did not get burned? This guy. The I don't man. know why. I t- well, first of all, I know why. I tan really easily. Sorry, everyone who has trouble tanning with their melanin. But I tan great, and I have no issues with it, and got zero burns. Um, also, I want to point out that the guest on our podcast today is Plant. Yes, brand new Plant. <laughs> the uh, Golden Pathos, I think. <laughs> Featuring Plant. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. So, do you want to know what, how my trip was? Yes, yes, I do. Oh, it's very brief. It was great. Uh, had a wonderful time. We made food. We went out. We got drunk on the beach. Um, I did not exercise at all. I went on walks on the beach, but like deliberate workout exercise. Now, you and I have talked about this a number of times. I did not do that. Mm-hmm. I, I exercised my 12-ounce curls, sometimes 16-ounce curls. I was going to say, you've, you've got yourself a 16-ounce curl. I got myself a 16-ounce curl. Ready? How's that for some ASMR for you? <laughs> no, the, the, the trip was good. Um, we had one like rainy afternoon and we all took a nap. And then we went to Charleston and you know went and got cocktails and stuff like that. So it was good. The whole yeah. trip was great. Charleston things. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. 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 It's a cool town. It is a cool town. We were actually in Folly Beach, uh, which is about eight miles outside of Charleston. A little sleepy beach town, um, and I um, we're just doing some finagling over here. Um, I really like that actually because it was like off the beaten path. There was, it wasn't super busy. We could go into town and get groceries or whatever, but we had our own little beach access. wasn't You know, we we didn't share the beach with a thousand other people. It was, you know, mm. it was great. Awesome. Yeah, good time. Yeah, a little time away. That's always nice. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. So we were talking off air about something, and now I'm, I, I forget what we were talking about. Well, we were talking about the interaction, or I should say maybe like the the online ecosystem that I've kind of dedicated more of my efforts to in more recent years uh-huh. with social media, YouTube, uh, article writing, and email writing and so we were chatting about that and you've kind of uh recommitted to some email content for your gym members let's pump the brakes for a second because i've sent i have sent emails but i'm not consistent i am tossing your hat into the proverbial ring okay i I just i don't want to sound like i'm committed because just because i sent two emails in the same week does not mean that I'm like consistent and committed. Sure. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I'm trying to give you a little push. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I think one of the one of the kind of dicey things that we as fitness professionals kind of run into with maybe the pressure to constantly come up with more content, unique content. Uh, engaging posts um, and obviously things that help people and that garner attention it can it can be a lot and it can feel like well everything's already been said and what do I have to contribute uniquely to the conversation and you were mentioning that one of your clients gave you the prompt of Mm -hmm. writing about warm-ups and what to do for warm-ups and you told me rough quote it doesn't really matter you could do this you could do that you could do the other thing blah Mm -hmm. blah 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 and i i asked if i could give you some constructive feedback yes and that's where we left off and Andy said yes but let's hit record first (laughs) so fair enough fair enough so if you're opening to hearing what what i might have to say i'd be happy to share just forewarning i have very thin skin 
I think you're, <laughs> I think you're actually gonna like this, okay. and I think it's gonna be helpful. And and it's not it's it's not negative, critic. It's not even criticism. As as is often the case, I want to help you kind of reframe the thought process you've already got going on. Okay. So, my only feedback there is is that your kind of first initial reaction or statement was it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And you almost left it at that. Uh, I qualified it. You almost left it at that. But then you went on to say you could do all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, is if you just reframed it doesn't matter, you could do all these things into look at all of these amazing things that you can do. I think that could be like the mental unlock that could maybe help you shift into a more, uh, mo- uh, 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 an easier mode of creative output. Does it, that does that make sense? It does. I don't disagree with you. My perspective when I when I fielded the question and when I wrote the email, which ha- hasn't been sent yet, it actually will send about the time that this episode publishes. Um, and and you should know you can be on my email list if you'd like to be, but right now the only people that are on my email list are the people who are in my gym currently. So it's not like I have a you know I don't have a giant list of people. I have about forty people on my list, maybe even less than that. So it's only the people that work out with me on a regular basis that are on my email list. So there's that. The other is I try. Uh, I, I don't think that I do a great job of this. I'm just gonna I'm gonna fumble through this right now. I don't think I do a great job of this all the time. I think I actually do a piss poor job of this most of the time, because as you and I both know, I uh, I can talk a lot. That's why you have a podcast. That's why I have a podcast. Um, sometimes that can bite me in the ass because I think I overcomplicate. A subject matter. Mm. Now that could be, depending on the subject matter, you and I could nerd out about fitness stuff all day long. But some of my clients really want the Cliff Notes version of that. Mm-hmm. They just want an answer. They don't really want to know the nuances of this or that, or the pros and cons. They just want an answer. Now, I have difficulty with that for obvious reasons. There's not one singular answer that's going to fix everything. There's a lot of different options out there. And that's great. That's what's great about fitness. But depending on who I'm talking to, that could appear to be more confusing. Mm. So instead of um, removing barriers and making fitness a little easier, it's almost like it creates this, well, well if if you like kettlebell swings so much, why am I not doing that in my warm-up? Like, I do this other thing. Why not I do kettlebell swings? I'm like, well, because it doesn't really matter what we do in a warm-up. As long as you get warm and as long as you enjoy it, honestly, as as downhill as the warm-up can possibly be, the better, Mm -hmm. I think. So if I bolster up the idea of all these different things that we could possibly be doing, it's almost like this paralysis by all these choices. I have all these choices. Which ones do I pick? And the content of the email was, it doesn't really matter which ones you pick. Just pick a couple things that you like to do. At the very least, maybe emulate a couple patterns that we're going to do in the meat and potatoes part of the workout. But like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you like to do, shit, let's dance. You ever listen to Creep by TLC? Not lately. It's a phenomenal song to dance to. I could literally walk into, not, not my 5.30 a.m. session tomorrow. They like to listen to ACDC. I couldn't start with TLC. But they would laugh about it, and they would probably relax a little bit. At 5.30 in the morning, coming in stiff, like, ugh, I gotta in squat and bench. But if I'm like, let's listen to Creep by TLC and laugh our asses off, everybody's all of a sudden in a good mood, feeling good. All right, I'm good. If I could get a celebrity shot at training your ACDC crew, I would put together a put together the playlist you could train the acdc crew and they would love it it's 5 30 a.m tuesday thursday so if you ever want to sub in for me at 5 30 in the morning have at it we'll talk about our 5 30 rates (laughs) 
I love it. Honestly, it's one of my favorite sessions because they're super fun. But that's that's not the point of the content right now. Yeah, yeah. So all that all that to say, um, yes. And obviously, I, the the whole point of this conversation is not to get mired in the actual science of warming up. Sure. It's it's simply to kind of help you because maybe this is a good transition into our next conversation point, which is our lesser strengths as coaches. Mm. And so I think you can turn, not to give a spoiler alert, but I think you can turn what you consider a lesser strength into a into a strength by simply reframing some of these like basic questions and topics around training so that they're more generative hmm. you know because i mean again uh, you know I, i'm right there with you it's like half like, i mean pretty much all questions around fitness and training come down to it depends or it doesn't matter that much or just do what you like or you know these uh answers that are almost kind of dismissive hmm as opposed to, well, if we check these boxes, so for example, with something like a warm-up, if it gets your heart rate up a little bit, if it gets your blood flowing to maybe the entire body or maybe these muscle groups, if it works, maybe the agonist and the antagonist pattern, and it's something that's sustainable that you enjoy, doesn't impart pain, blah, 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 maybe hits a couple mobility points, stability points, boom. That's like our... our uh, Venn diagram of warming up or our uh, flow chart mm-hmm. of, of warming up. And yes, that that I think can come off as maybe over complicating things. That's kind of my, that's kind of almost my MO is over complicating things, I think, to some degree. So maybe that's one of my lesser strengths. Um, but when we're talking about being generative with content, helpful content, um, which is something that I think you have a vast well and vault of um, of possibility to do for both your clients and for the internet at large. Um, you know me; I'm one of your biggest fans, and I just want to see you. <laughs> I want to see you put out more content. So I bring all this up to to just maybe kind of help you reframe your same basic answer into something that can be some some useful meat and potatoes content for people um as long as it's as long as it hits you the right way and as long as as long as you're communicating it in a way that you feel is authentic mm-hmm. it's just like for someone like me this this maybe be this might be where i am uh, maybe a little too sensitive is when you start off a line of thought with, it really doesn't matter. Hmm. Well, to me, it's like, okay, that's like a reduction in possibility as opposed to like shining a light on on different possibilities. Mm. But that might also just be, that's maybe my own bias when it comes to like a certain style of communication. So that's a big mouthful mm-hmm. to start off the show there. But I, But hopefully you see kind of where I'm coming from. Right. Well, and I, I think I was a little more nuanced in the email. Like, I, you know, when you and I were spitballing, I was just like, eh, it doesn't matter. That's basically the gist of the email. But it was more like, you could do this and this. Or some people like to do A, B, and C. Or some people, like myself included, just like to do light warm-up sets of the stuff I'm about to do. Mm. That and, and really what we're doing and why depends on who you are, what you like to do, what you want to do, so on and so forth. If you want to have some fun with it, let's dance. I don't know. There's a bunch of different possibilities. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for a best answer, there is none. I think the best answer is do what you like, do what's familiar, and as long as it does some physiological things, I think we're all good. We're all good. Anything, it's all work, it's all good. Here's the best answer. Where do people go to sign up for your emails? Uh, they come and join my gym and then I collect their email mm. and I manually input it. I'm very strict about who's on my email list. It's only my people. Mm. Now, if they share those emails with their friends, that'd be one thing, but I don't have a way to capture lead generation through my website. 
in large part, and this is true, because I rarely email those people. Right. And so if I were more consistent with it, then I might have like a sign-up thing, like a pop-up window or something on my website. But as it currently stands, I don't utilize that tool, so I don't have people just needlessly join. Mm. Um, And now even to compound on that, I used to. And when you would join, I had an email trip that was like seven days long or something like that, all queued up, ready to go. Um, I have since disabled that feature. Because I don't collect those emails. I only email the people that are currently, like, current members of my gym. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, I think that obviously makes sense. And this is uh, maybe just a good bow on this conversation is that once you get some momentum under your belt with consistent, you know, emails or content in whatever fashion that takes with your own clientele, I think maybe that could expand out to the special listeners of the podcast, maybe to have mm. some podcast exclusive email content, and then maybe to the internet at large. But of course, I'm not pressuring you to do anything that you don't want to do. You know, that would be cool because as far as I can tell, my listenership on the podcast is not huge yet. Um, but having a subcategory or subset in my email list of podcast listeners so that they, I could email the podcast, talk a little bit about it, and field questions so that it's a little bit more... But but again, it currently as it stands, that list would not be huge. Mm. It, there's not going to be a ton of conversation there. So, that said... Yeah, well, yeah. Something, something maybe that we can uh, pontificate more about, especially as we approach 100 episodes. Well, we'll see today's 71... I think so. I think today's 71. Good yeah, lord. It's getting there. All right. All right. So next next topic. Do you want to do skinny fat or do you want to do lesser strengths? Um, let's maybe, let's maybe, since we're already in this type of conversation about lesser strengths around okay. our, our coaching toolbox, so mm-hmm. to speak, um, maybe we don't have to take another 15 minutes to air our dirty laundry so to speak but i don't know maybe may, may it'll be another 45 minutes well I, but I, I'll... I like this subject because um and i'll tell my clients this but i want our listeners to know this i don't have all the answers and that's okay and i also will tell them like i am really good at this subcategory of things or i know some stuff about this stuff and i don't know enough about this stuff and I'm okay with that. And maybe I can go learn about it. I have an inquisitive mind. I'd like to learn. I learned a lot about Folly Beach and its history while mm. I was there. It's really a shame you're not on video right now because you're doing really well at talking with your hands. Oh, I do that all the time. Over here. <laughs> over there. All around. Right. All right. So anyway, lesser strengths as a coach. Now this can be, I want to talk about this either as a coach, like as a practitioner, like the meat and potatoes, barbells, plates. Dumbbell stuff, and as a business person, mm. if you want to, we mm. st- let's, we can start with the coaching material, the fitness stuff. So, so we'll look at it two prongs: fitness stuff, business stuff. Sure, lesser okay. strengths. And I like that we're talking about this because I'm genuinely curious. And also, I think it just sheds light on us as coaches that we're human and that we don't have all the answers all the time. Mm-hmm. So, lesser strengths, fitness edition. Go. I'll start. I think one of my lesser strengths as a coach is motivating people. Oh, I have a counter argument for this, Bruca. Yeah, I have historically struggled with taking people who aren't so intrinsically motivated and and getting them on like a consistent path for the long term. So I, I can oh. I can point to some examples where like some so let's say some breakthrough examples. Um, but by and large, most of my clients, uh, most of the people that I work with, I think come to me or I find them 
and like the motivation to train is like not even an issue. Right. So it's not something that I really have to hammer on with people. I was going to say, it's unlikely that your clients are not like unmotivated because they wouldn't call you in the first place. Right. So I would consider that like one of the big things. And, you know, again, not so much these days, but again, back, you know, back in my days at the big box gym, that was obviously a huge thing because you're mm-hmm. working with general population, just people who are you know, coming in from, you know, just from the street, you know, mm-hmm. just, just joining a gym, not even into any particular style of training or, or even into fitness period. And you meet a lot of people who are awesome people. They have, you know, they have a very important whys mm-hmm. behind their, behind their fitness, you know, people who have families, grandkids, um, you know, fill in the blank, health issues and concerns. And, and they have, they have a lot of that, like, let's say emotional ammunition Mm -hmm. that as you can imagine, gives people a spark, gets people, you know, off to the races. Um, but I think if the job of a coach is to turn that spark into a sustainable, fire mm-hmm. so to speak um i'm not very good at doing that there's a lot to unpack here because i too struggle with this um let me preface this conversation with i am not always motivated to train but i do anyway because i consider training a part of my daily routine I think you and I have talked about this before a little bit. Like training to me in any given day is like brushing my teeth, eating lunch, sending emails. It's just one of the little things I need to check off. I like that about how I can like how I consider training, um, because it's not this uh, it's not this epic battle. It's not this like uh, it's not this huge deal. It's not this like oh I, have, I get to train. First of all, side, I get to train a lot, which is great. I'm a, in a privileged position where every day or almost every day I get to train. A lot of people don't have that luxury, and um, as a about to be dad, I don't know what that looks like on the other side of that. So mm. in my current position, I am privileged to know that every day, if I want to, I can go work out. Not everybody has that same luxury. So we'll set all that aside. Yeah. The other part about the motivation thing is I'm with you. And, and I've had a lot of difficulty with, let's, let's call it like motivational interviewing. Mm. Because um, I think you have a book probably. I have motivational interviewing and motivational interviewing for... Dummies? Nutrition <laughs> coaching. <laughs> That's the one that I need. I need that one. Um, now it's funny that you mentioned that and, and I've been thinking about this summer kind of revisiting some old books mm-hmm. on the bookshelf and that's probably one that I need to revisit this is a we could spend an entire podcast on motivate. we might well, I don't know we don't have a plan we never have a plan we can do whatever we want it's our podcast that's the beauty of having our names on the podcast is we get to do what we want a to Z and everything in between. Yeah. So motivation, we're going to go with M today. Motivation is a, that's a tricky one. What I'm finding in real time in my gym now is um, despite my own values and what I w- would really like to do in my gym, I do realize and recognize that not everybody wants to do what I do in the gym all the time. In other words, I like to lift weights and I like to rest in between. And I like to do a few things really well and that and I'm fine with that. If I if I go to the gym and I crush three exercises, like crush three, only three, I feel pretty good about that. The average or not the average, but a lot of people who engage in fitness, they want to be, they want to be doing, they want to move and go, you know, they're doing stuff. 
always always moving, always doing. And I'm, I'm as a coach and as a business person, I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Well, that's wrong." Or that's you know, that's not how we do things. I recognize that people can consume a lot of different fitness. They have chosen what I do, and so I'm going to try to blend what I value as a coach with what their expectations and what they like to do. Because as a business person, I think this is what I ought to do. Now that all that said, I've had previous experience where if I really tried to like encourage being strong, lifting heavy, moving some weight, that I get a little bit of pushback sometimes from my clients. Like, oh, Mm. well, what if I get hurt? Even though I'm, I'm watching them. What if I get too bulky? I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to... They have reservations about some of those things. In the new space, in my gym, especially with the women that I coach, I'm sort of breaking through those barriers. And on the other side, they're like, whoa, I never thought I could be that strong. I never thought that I could lift that weight. I can feel the difference in my body. Like, I feel strong. I feel my muscles. And... That is when things click. Mm. So motivation aside, they get that intrinsic, that sort of feedback. Oh, all this repetition of the same shit each week and getting and adding plates and getting stronger. Like I'm seeing the results of this labor and it becomes a sort of perpetual machine. Now, this makes intuitive sense for you and me because we train all the time. Like we get it. But for the consumer, the average consumer, when they could go to Orange Theory... Mm. What did we call it one time? Blue, uh, blue hypothesis. Blue hypothesis. They go to Orange <laughs> Theory. They go to F forty five. They go to CrossFit. They have a lot of options on the market. Stuff yeah. that looks flashy, looks cool, moves fast. This and that. But I'm over here like we're gonna appreciate and respect a couple, a couple barbell movements and get really good at them. Yeah. And and then and then they get good at them. They get stronger and they're like holy shit. I've never felt like I could ever do this before. Mm -hmm. And then that momentum sort of builds on itself. So if you want to call that motivation, we can call that motivation. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I don't want to call it motivation. Working out, training is a to-do list item that I happen to enjoy. And so I put effort behind it. If, If I can get all of my clients kind of in that mindset of, it doesn't have to be this epic battle. It's not this like, Orange lights, loud music, whatever, whatever. It's we're doing the thing, getting stronger and appreciating the process, like all at the same time. Yeah. And I think that momentum starts to build on itself, but it has been difficult to get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, we live in a dopamine addicted society. Right. You know, and again, I don't want to go down like the super, like, you know, hardcore, you know, stoic uh, cliche, but. Yeah, I mean, you consider that for most people, fitness is a luxury or it's like, you know, again, the fourth or fifth priority behind work, Mm -hmm. family, and and, and everything else that, that comes along with like those like most important priorities. So then like people are looking for fitness as a... A, a release, a stress release, or a form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And when you have the flashy lights, when you have like the marketing uh, or the hook that a lot of um, you know fitness has, where it's just it's an easily digestible idea. Mm-hmm. You know, like again, all these franchises and whatnot. Like you can you can put their their message in a pill. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like politics. Like you can reduce an entire political theory to a couple of words, a couple sound bites. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and not to say there's necessarily anything wrong with that, because we kind of have to appeal to people's lizard brain, sure, so to speak. Um, but again, what we kind of stand for generally with like with strength and conditioning is like we're delivering the dopamine hits via long-term like progress boom yes hitting prs Mm -hmm. you know and even like maybe for aesthetics seeing the scale go down in a sustainable way 
in a long-term way, reimagining the roles of strength, of fitness, of nutrition in your life. And again, these things in the long-term do deliver that maybe entertainment, Mm -hmm. maybe that, that dopamine hit. So this, you know, again, without dopamine, I don't know if any of us would have gotten out of bed this morning. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not knocking our, uh, neuro our 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 neuro uh, chemicals going on up there Mm -hmm. but we do it does behoove us to be very um aware of how we're being pushed and pulled by the easy dopamine hits Mm -hmm. and that is why tiktok has billions of minutes watched and um maybe the uh you know, the documentary channel does not, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so yeah, so tying this all back to like motivation, the people that kind of naturally fall into our style of training by one way or another have found motivation in that longer term sustainable approach or with the idea of being stronger I don't, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that being said, it's like um, maybe in another way of saying it is I preach to the choir. Mm-hmm. I'm not a missionary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you come in through the door. Hey, you're here. I'm going to preach to you. Sure. Morning, noon, and night. But um, I have found that uh, like, like many missionaries have found you go out into the wilds, you end up with arrows in your back. Mm. So that's not exactly the game that I'm playing. So um, for better or for worse. So I, I do think, you know, to be fair, I try to make my content easily digestible to the point where if somebody does come across like my stuff mm-hmm. and it even grabs them a little bit, maybe I can pull them down the the rabbit hole, so to speak, where they do become rewired, maybe brainwashed into my line of thinking. Mm-hmm. And then I can help them in a better way. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, I'm, I'm already preaching to the choir, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I'm just... I'm just there doing my thing. And if you're into it, then there's lots of value for you. But if you're not... I can't, I can't boil the ocean. Right. You know, like the gerbil says in uh, Dr. Doolittle, you can't save them all, Hasselhoff. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I kind of want to leave that one there. Okay. That's a good way to finish that one. Sure. Uh, And and like at the risk of like going off the rails, just talking about motivation the whole time. Um, Yeah. All right. We are talking about lesser strengths. Motivating people, you and I would, I would agree with you. I think yeah. we have our own way of, of navigating that, the best of our abilities. Um, but I think I would struggle with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I want to talk about the business one, because you and I talked about it off air, just to change it up a little bit. I want to talk about lesser strengths in terms of like nuts and bolts coaching. Mm. Now, now, motivation, I suppose, motivation would fall into that. Mm. I feel like it'd fall under both. Okay. Nuts and bolts coaching. Yeah, like, when it comes to, like, barbells, plates, and sunrises. (laughs) uh, What, from a coaching perspective, what do you struggle with? Um, Now, I mentioned off-air, and it's a very easy and obvious one. I'm not a great Olympic lifting coach. I have done Olympic lifting. I have certified over a weekend as far as Olympic lifting, but I am not good at coaching it. And I'll tell my clients that if they're interested in it, that I am not their guy to learn from. I like I will hard line, like uh, line in the sand on that one. I, I just I won't touch it because I'm not good at it. And I don't. I, I think it would be disingenuous to try to fumble my way through it. Now I probably could. I'm probably underselling my abilities as a coach. And I know probably a little bit more about it than I'm giving credit. But ultimately, if you want to get good at Olympic lifting, like good, good, I am not your coach for that. Mm. Um, 
But beyond Olympic lifts, I, there's not much in, in terms of like of nuts and bolts coaching. Let me actually let me pause right there. Um, I am not the same degree, and I never will be on kettlebell stuff like you are. Now I can, I can get people pretty close. Like I can get people, I can get people to do a pretty decent swing, and I can coach a Turkish get up. Um, but beyond those two things, and, and you know, uh, I suppose like one arm presses, I can work through with some people. Um, but beyond those three things, I won't really touch anything else. I won't do kettlebell snatches. I've never been good at them. Never going to coach those. Um, you know, one hand swings, maybe, but most of my people struggle with the two hand swings. So I'm never going to go there. Um, it's one of those two, like, is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, do I really want to spend an inordinate amount of time on a one handed swing? For a gin pop client who just wants to look better naked, maybe, maybe, but but maybe not. Probably not. Yeah. Especially when I have a ton of other tools that I do have a lot more experience with. Mm-hmm. So honestly, it would be an effort in futility to try to coach them through something that I'm not very familiar with, and I also don't know if it would be more beneficial than all the other tools that I have at my disposal that I am good at. Sure. So I will put it lesser strength as most kettlebell stuff. Cool. Well, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would go so far as to even consider that a lesser strength, considering that you are competent at the basics, which as far as I'm concerned is more, more than enough. Goblet squat would be good. Yeah, goblet squat. And I'll just throw this out there real quick. Um, I think if you can teach the fundamentals of the hinge and of the two-handed swing. I have found that there's a lot of people who, for one reason or the other, actually find one-handed swinging easier and more natural than two-handed. And and vice versa. Hmm. So maybe just in the interest of checking all the boxes and just with the attitude of experimentation... Um, I would. I almost always throw one-handed swings out at people, even relatively early, just to see how they feel. Right. And some people will be like, "Wow, this feels way better than two-handed," or mm-hmm. it just looks better, or it comes more naturally. Um, there's a lot of different maybe theories, obviously for different people around that. But um, I think if you can teach the basics of the swing, I think um, for some people you could interchange one or two-hand. Hmm. Okay. I'll just I'll just throw that out there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you you go over the basics, like don't over twist and that kind of thing. Um, but the one handed swing, I think, just plays into. I mean, obviously, we're all asymmetrical mm-hmm. um, in numerable ways. So a lot of times, having an asymmetric swing is just what certain people take to mm-hmm. in, in, a, in an easier way. So I'm just throwing that out there. But um, yeah, you know, on my end, I would say, obviously, Olympic lifting is a big one. Mm-hmm. I got into Olympic lifting. I actually hired my own coach back in Charlotte. Um, and I kind of got the hang of the clean. Like, I actually got some, you know, a little humble brag. I got um, some compliments on my clean technique, that whole thing. Oh, and I think if I really... How heavy? Uh, uh, 365 pounds. Fuck, really? No, that's that's a bald face lie. Oh, okay. I was like, holy shit. No, no, I never cleaned anything heavy, but my technique was good. Oh, okay. But it was never something to the point where I was like, is this wrist extension really necessary? Hmm. Is the banging into my collarbone necessary? Oh, and then I with the, the jerk... thing into your... Yeah, okay. You know, with the jerk, we've talked about clipping the chin mm-hmm. like is this something that i really need to be doing is this uh, again is the juice worth the squeeze right and will and you're actually pretty athletic and pretty fit so you can only imagine someone who's never done those like never lifted before yeah you're, yeah i'm not i'm not trying to not, i'm not trying to say anybody can't do it but i mean we're talking about some pretty technically um demanding lifts for gin pop people yeah 
So, yeah, anyway. Well, you know, again, and, and it's funny how that kind of circles back to our previous kind of conversation around motivation is because where is most Olympic lifting happening these days? CrossFit, CrossFit gyms. Yeah. And if you're the type of person who's super duper bought in the CrossFit, you probably don't mind a little a little jaw tap yeah. with, with the barbell or a little wrist over tweak or mm. this or that and the other thing. Obviously, you don't mind because you do CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Now, I could say the same thing about jujitsu. I have a sore throat. Mm. Not a sore throat that requires a lozenge. <laughs> like literally the muscles of my throat. Right. I'm not even saying my neck. I don't even know how to describe this. My throat. Mm. Like my trachea. Oh, that's weird. My trachea is sore from getting choked out. Mm. Now, obviously, it's a risk versus reward that I'm weird enough to right. to make well, that. It's part of the sport. It's like, part. It's, it's if, part of this part of the gig. If you don't get choked out, don't do jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, right. And again, it's not something that I'm out here advocating that everybody do. Now, I will say that like there are a lot of like martial arts, grappling, judo, wrestling drills that you know when you know how to take a fall and you're on a mat. Man, can be an insane workout, mm-hmm. you know, beyond like the submissions and the choking and the arm bars and that whole thing. But that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Hmm. Um, my, oh, okay. So in addition to Olympic lifting, I would say another kind of obvious gap, um, which, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. The whole science behind like VO2 training, cardio endurance training, like that whole thing, mm-hmm. um, is a lesser strength of mine, is maybe a gap in my knowledge and expertise. But that being said, it's also almost by design or, or almost by like conscious choice. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of cardio stuff, especially that we see in like kinesiology or, or exercise science, mm-hmm. is like way overcomplicated. And I think a lot of it is there's so much gray area in there. And I think there's all these like kind of arbitrary hard and fast rules that I think like don't apply to the vast majority of people. I think like the talk test with like zone two training sure, and getting 10,000 steps a day and like making it a habit to breathe through your nose. I think that covers like 80% of what most people need to worry about. I would agree with you. Um, especially when we're talking about gym pop clients because, and, and this is part of the reason why going back to, you know, earlier in, in this podcast, talking about the email that I sent out, um, it's one thing to have an immense interest in cardiovascular training. It's another to be a couch potato and have an immense interest in the like details of cardiovascular training. If you're a couch potato, let's start walking first. Right. Like, or, or riding a bike. I don't give a shit. Let's, Pick the low-hanging fruit. Right. Walk, ride a bike, whatever. But don't be worrying about, well, is this zone two or zone three? Am I in the fat burning zone or am I burning carbs? It's like, bro, just you just need to work. Like, I don't care what you do, just work. Um, so I'll agree with you there. So, like anything with training, cardiovascular stuff, because I actually have a, a master's degree in exercise physiology, specifically in cardiovascular adaptations. I will argue that there are important things that we could look at, but to your point. Is that relevant to the gym pop person, the person who just wants to look better naked? Absolutely not. To people like Alex Viata, fuck yeah. Alex Viata can deadlift 800 pounds and run a half marathon in the same day. Like his training as far as how much weight am I going to lift this week versus how much cardiovascular training am I going to do this week? I'm like, And his mileage is nuts, probably on the order of 80 to 100 miles a week. And deadlift 800 pounds. How do you balance those qualities? That is a specimen of a man and all the people that he coaches. Those are the types of people that I would, could nerd out about. But to your point, 
is it relevant to you know the average person that's like I want to start working out absolutely not and so I think cardiovascular stuff can be cool I think it's fun um I could also say that if you're interested in learning more about it, I have uh, Joel Jameson's book, if you don't already own it, mm-hmm. Ultimate MMA Conditioning. Mm. Uh, I have So I have Joel Jameson's Ultimate MMA Conditioning, if you want to learn more about it. I don't think it would be all that relevant to you or most of the people that you coach, but if you're curious about some of the content, the only thing about his book that I, I struggle with, and this is a very niche um, thing that I'm going to bring up in graduate school at least at the time that I was in graduate school and this might be different now because it's been 10 years there were two main theories why when you were working at your VO2 max like the ultimate threshold of like what you could do cardiovascular wise why you couldn't keep going in other words the treadmill keeps you know going steeper the speed keeps going faster, but despite the increased intensity of the activity, my oxygen intake and what I could use and turn around and, and create, not create, but you know, unleash energy to continue working, that didn't continue to rise. You would see this sort of linear graph of my oxygen intake and output or whatever, along with the relative intensity of the activity to a point. And then you would plateau. So despite activity increasing in intensity, my VO2 remained the same. And then you would quit. You would just you just couldn't do it. There were two main theories as to why that happened. The first was, and I'm going to call it peripheral. Um, the first was like a peripheral theory. I only have so many mitochondria and so many blood vessels that can carry in so many... Um, you know, oxygen-carrying blood cells and my heart rate can only do so much that my system, the system just could not continue to fuel the exercise. Now, with training, that could change. But currently, under, under the stress, my body is physically incapable of bringing on any more oxygen and using it. The other is what they call the central governor theory. In that peripherally, I probably could keep going. But my brain's like, nah. At the University of Tennessee, Dr. Bassett, with an immense amount of research behind him, was a proponent of this sort of peripheral theory. And then there was another researcher who um, was a proponent of the central governor theory. And they would butt heads through their research all the time. And they would, I always laughed about it because Dr. Bassett was, was a wicked smart man, but kind of a nerd. And he would, either whether it was through his work or through the other guy's work, they would take like subtle jabs at each other through like the abstract. Like some people think the central governor theory is, you know, whatever, but pfft, shit's dumb, basically. And so I always laughed about it because they, they would, and, and this is good for science. They had competing theories and they would continue working on their research to try to come to a closer conclusion. Now, again, that was 10 years ago. I don't know what that looks like anymore, but I just thought that was really funny that they were like butting heads all the time. But Dr. Bassett at the University of Tennessee, I don't know if he's still there right now, but he was one of the leading researchers in all this stuff in the country. Mm. So like, like published a ton. Um, but anyway, we're on an, like an off track on the cardio stuff, but if I have a book, if you want to listen to the reason I bring it up, Joel Jameson, um, ascribes to the central governor theory. And when he said that, I was mm. like, this fucking guy, <laughs> I'm team Bassett. Nah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny, man. I, I don't know. I just feel that. I don't know, man. At the end of the day, there's still so much about the body that obviously we don't know for sure. Right. There's kitchen sink approaches that we mm-hmm. know can get us a long way. Sure. But at the end of the day, there's still some mechanisms that either we can't agree about or that we can't exactly prove. Um, 
And then again, there's like competing theories that will take us so far. And then when you get into the upper echelons of what's actually going on, we don't, we don't quite, we don't quite know, you know, it's almost like physics, you know, it's like we can get to the, you know, again, we can get to the quarks, Hmm. but what about the negative energy? Hmm. What about the black holes? What about the space-time continuum? You're thinking about these things. I actually have a client who talks to me about this stuff every day. Oh, I would love that. I'd be super fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we could do a little swap. <laughs> maybe we could do a little swap when we... I'll, I'll show up and just play ACDC. Okay. You show up and you can talk about quantum physics. Okay, that would be fun. I think I'd, I'd enjoy that. We could make it happen. Okay. <laughs> no, but like to your point, you know, at the end of the day, if if you're a high performing athlete, anaerobic versus aerobic systems, zone two, zone three, zone four, whatever, whatever, you know, heart rate, this or that, heart rate variability, those are all really cool things to nerd out about. But again, if you are a couch potato or you're just getting active and you're worrying about zone two, zone three, anaerobic, aerobic, I'd be like, dude, I just need you to move. A lot more than you have been, mm. and when you when you do that, then we can maybe kind of get in the nitty gritty. But right now, I just need you to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all that to say, um, I never like cardiovascular training science. Um, it's not that I didn't understand it when it got to a certain degree. But it almost started like not passing the smell test. Hmm. Like, and maybe that's a shortcoming of my own intellectual ability or maybe intellectual uh, uh, curiosity. But like coming down to something like what you're saying, which if I can put that in bonehead terms, hmm. peripheral adaptations, adaptations, the, your, your guy, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bassett's mm-hmm. theory. Correct me if I'm wrong. Could I just call that mind over matter? No, I would call the central governor theory mind over matter. Central governor. Okay. Right. Okay. Got it. Got right. It. Which is, I would agree with you. To me, it sounds like mind over matter. And it also feels like this thing. And again, let me preface this with it's been 10 years. So I'm, I'm sitting on a couch. I'm not in a lab. So like, let me strictly say I don't know what I'm talking about. But the central governor theory, to me, even at the time, felt like this, well, my brain doesn't want to go there, so I can't. Right. And I was like... Now, part of that sounds very unscientific. Right. Like, how do you how do you but, prove... How do but you another prove, part of how it... How do you search, research that? Right. How do you research that? But another part of it, now that we've been in the trenches for a decade or more, we can see how person A has the mitochondria, the muscle Mm -hmm. mass, et cetera, et cetera, and yet it doesn't happen. I don't think central governor is something trainable. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well... Right, like I can... Sure. if, If I want to increase my mitochondrial density, I could do more cardiovascular training. Yeah. If I want to improve my, um, oh, was it my uh, uh, capillary density? I can work on that through cardiovascular training. There are there are known adaptations that come with increased cardiovascular training. That seems to me to be measurable and trainable. Mm. Central governor to me seems this sort of airy fairy wispy. Now, everybody that ever did a VO2 max test, and I did several of them when I was in graduate school, every single one of them at the end of the test would say, I feel like I could have gone a little bit longer. Mm. Now, mind you, you are dying like on the treadmill. You are sprinting at 22% incline, he- like heaving. And you just, you, like, you end up just, you're, you just quit. Now, here's the other part of all that. The 
data, at least uh, in terms of the metabolic cart, the data that we collect minute by minute or second by second, shows this clear delineation of, you know, increased oxygen intake that is linear with increased um, demand of exercise to a point, and you see this sort of leveling off. Mm-hmm. If the central governor theory was correct, I could go in and smoke, well, let me pause before I say this. Anyone that was relatively trained cardiovascularly, like myself, in theory, if I could train my brain, I could beat them, despite my possibly less than stellar um, peripheral adaptations. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that my brain versus your brain on a treadmill doing the same test at the same time, that I could just mind over matter myself to a greater performance, all things being equal. I just don't believe that. And again, based on the information that we collect, which is oxygen in, oxygen out, performance, all that, you see a clear flatlining of performance. So, like, I have a difficult time, despite the fact that the treadmill is still increasing, still going faster, still going taller, still going faster, still going taller, still going faster, still going taller. My line flatlines, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. So the peripheral adaptations is the one that I'm like, I know I can train that. Yeah. The central governor, I don't think I can train that, at least based on my rudimentary knowledge from 10 years removed. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is my podcast, and I'm already so checked out of the, the nitty-gritty of, Again, I, I can talk of this about stuff. Little, I'm just yeah. like, uh-huh. Yeah. Me, because I am an airy-fairy guy, I go, hey... It's mitochondria and it's the brain. I go both. Oh, no, I go both. I, I Self, self-belief and the capillaries. I go both. Self-belief or self-limitation? Exactly. I think there's a, there's a difference. There is a difference. Two sides, positive and negative of the same coin. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's another thing is I am talking about self-belief. But yeah, same other thing. How about the guy with all the capillaries, but he's a little bitch on the treadmill and he cops out early. Why is that? Maybe he has daddy issues. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe nobody told him like that he could do it. I mean, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but I'm also kind of being a little bit serious. So all that to say um, is to kind of put a bow on, on this conversation. It's like, especially when it, when it comes to the cardio science it's like, um, yeah, I think there's just so many basic things that we could like put into play that, um, that, that just really checks so many of the boxes. Um, and again, I think just the general daily movement, um, specific conditioning for sports specific stuff mm-hmm. is obviously key. Um, but yeah, I mean... I just think, especially when we're talking about cardio simply being, if we bring it down to brass tacks, being the ability of the body to oxygenate the cells. And I think there's just so many variables that go into all that stuff that um, oftentimes I think we're taking... uh, Obviously, we have to take a certain, you know, tight... Uh, slice of the pie to study for scientific purposes but um yeah and obviously you're you're the you're the expert here Mm. but but so i'm i'm getting in over over my head in this in in these waters but um when it just gets to a certain point again just just thinking about practicality i'm just like i don't know how much of this stuff is even that useful outside of the specific application like Cardio training, cardio science with running versus what about push-ups? Or what about any, any other human movement? You, you, you know what I mean? So it's like, then we're talking about, then we're talking about, we, we so quickly get into skilled versus unskilled movement. 
I will argue with you on the push-ups versus like. Well, Andy can dismantle anything yeah. that I'm throwing out because again, I'm I'm a little bit of a, an airy fairy hippie when it comes to this stuff. But um, just the fact that again, you have Dr. Barrett and this other guy who are two are very very smart people mm-hmm. who can't come to a consensus. Right. But I, I can appreciate that from a scientific perspective because if everybody was like, oh, that's great. No, well, that's the point of peer-reviewed literature, right? Is that yeah. you, you conduct research, you test hypotheses, and then your peers are like, this is good research, or it's not, or there's flaws, or there's not, or whatever. Um, so that's why I throw my hands up at a certain point in time. Right. I'm like, if you can't, I, I'm almost a bonehead to the point where if you can't explain this to me like uh, in a in a super simple kind of bonehead manner, then I don't know how I'm going to be able to translate that into practical application for everyday people. If we're talking about general population people who just need to move more, ultimately whether they do push-ups or they walk on a treadmill is irrelevant. But if you want to talk about muscular adaptations and cardiovascular adaptations, I would argue that push-ups and walking on the treadmill are distinctly different and deserve their own like recognition and respect. So in sure. other words, I couldn't tell you that I couldn't tell you that lifting weights is cardio, and I wouldn't tell you that. I would not make that statement. Mm. I would not make the statement that walking on an incline treadmill is strength training mm. equally. Are we building some muscle walking on an incline? Maybe a little bit, but the advent, like the the adaptations, are more cardiovascular like related. Versus, if I had you do weighted step ups, that's an incline. That is a much, even though you might be breathing heavy, I would not consider that unless you're doing it for thirty minutes straight, like continuously. What do they call that? High intensity con- HICT, high intensity continuous training. Hicked, for sure. Unless, hicked, mm-hmm. yeah. Hicked, for sure. Unless we're doing that, I could not, if I, you did a set of eight per leg and you're breathing heavy, I would not consider that cardiovascular training. Mm. It's anaerobic and the other is aerobic. And sure, they are sure. distinctly different. Now, there is some crossover depending on what the activity is, but I do think that they deserve their own box mm. or whatever. Um, sometimes again, those boxes cross over, but I could argue one way or another, depending on what we're trying to talk about. Um, I think it's doing a disservice to exercise physiology. If you try to make, let's say even CrossFit and say, I don't need to do cardio because I have CrossFit. I'd be like, "Mm." Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Depends on your goals. Same with people who do cardio all the time. They're like, I don't need strength training. I run. It's like, I (laughs) You and I both would be like, that's not, that's not strength training. Yeah. So they're both good. They both have their own adaptations. I would not, I would be very careful and I would caution anybody to try to blend them and say, this is as good as this other thing. Can it's I, not. Can I jog and do bicep curls and military press simultaneously? You could try. Yeah. I would watch that. Okay. <laughs> I would film that. Okay. And put it on the internet. Jog, jog curl, jog press. Yeah. Okay. We might be onto something. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that I, that is a pet peeve of mine. And again, just because I, I know enough to be dangerous, like I think that's what they do at Orange Theory, right? Say, like the, you you curl you curl on a treadmill. You do like these guys on the treadmill. With you overhead press. Yeah, overhead you, press. You ins, ins, yeah. ins, ins on it's a basically treadmill. what you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I coach there, so I have experience. <laughs> yeah, you're you're certified at jogging curls. Yeah. So no, that's that's one thing that that does aggravate me as a coach is when when people conflate a particular activity as being you know strength training when it's not. Or conflate strength training with cardiovascular training when it is not. Mm. The adaptations are distinctly different. They deserve respect in their own ways. Mm. So I'll get off my soapbox about that. Mm. Otherwise, we're going to keep talking for another 20 minutes. Yeah. Nobody wants that. (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, another fun, wide-ranging conversation. Talking about our uh, relative uh, weaknesses and strengths. Mm -hmm. How about that? Cool, man. Well, like a workout of itself. You 
you're telling me. My jaw's tired. <laughs> Not just because I got choked out all day yesterday. Then, um, like, I curled these 16-ounce SADs, plural, 16-ounce mm-hmm. cans. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny. It's, uh, what would you call it, graded resistance training with every yeah. sip. It gets a little bit lighter. It's a, it's like a drop set. It's a drop set. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's really good. Oh, All boy. Right. All right. Oh, this is my favorite kind of drop set training. <laughs> 16 to 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, let's see. Speaking of our collective um, gap in knowledge being Olympic lifting, that's why we have an Olympic lifting specialist on deck. Good plug. Yep. So do be sure to tune in for that. Um we're, we're having a local Olympic lifting coach come on the show here in a few weeks. So that'll be fun. Uh, I am off here soon to Las Vegas to coach the one and only Tracy Cook at uh, Powerlifting Nationals. Uh. And then a mere few days after that, you and I are going down to Austin, Texas. When's the Vegas thing? Uh, June 6th. Through the tenth. When do we leave for when do we leave for Austin? Okay. No, sixteenth. Sixteenth. Yeah. I think maybe I think maybe Vegas is June eighth through the twelfth. Okay. Is that a, is there a Saturday in there or is that week? There is a Saturday in there. Okay. So you and I won't train on a Saturday. Come We're on. gonna miss a Saturday, but we will not miss a Monday. Okay. We missed this past Monday. Today's Wednesday, everybody. Yeah. I'm still going to try to publish this spoiler. Friday morning. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, real real fun conversation today. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Covered a lot of bases. We did. Cool, man. All right. Well, that's it from us. Hmm. A to Z. No BS. We'll see you next time. Bye.